This is episode 15 with Buck G. Welcome to Asian Tech Leaders. My name is Justin Peng, and each week we share insights from Asian tech leaders to help inspire and guide you to reach your full potential. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited about this episode with Buck Chi. Now, if you haven't heard about Buck, Buck is a pioneer and leader in helping improve Asian representation in technology. A decade ago, Buck co-founded the first leadership program for Asian American executives at the Stanford Business School. And in 2017, he published a paper called The Illusion of Asian Success, where he showed how Asian American white-collar professionals are the least likely group to be promoted into executive roles. Buck has been a long-standing board member of organizations leading Asian American advancement in the workplace, including Ascend and the Committee of 100. And previously, Buck spent over 30 years as an executive in Silicon Valley, including time as a VP and general manager at Cisco Systems and various executive roles at startups, including NDMO Systems, where Buck was a president and CEO. He holds a BS and MS degree in electrical engineering from Stanford University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. On this episode, I chat with Buck about his upbringing as one of the few Asians in his community and how that shaped his life, the one thing that has motivated him throughout his career, and the top skill that he believes that Asians need more of to be more successful in their career. Hope you enjoy this conversation, and let's get started. Hey, Buck. Welcome to Asian Tech Leaders Podcast. How are you? Hi, Justin. Good to, good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. And, you know, just want to start by saying it's really an honor to have you on the podcast. I've read about and heard so much about your work over the years. Um, so you, I, I want to just say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to, to join us today. A lot of really interesting things I want to cover today. Um, sure. but I thought it might be interesting to start with your background. You know, I've heard that um, you're originally from Northern California. Mm-hmm. You're born to Chinese immigrant parents who are originally mm-hmm. from rural China. Um, but one of the interesting things I also learned is um, your parents, or at least your dad, ran and owned a Chinese restaurant. So what was that experience like as a, as, as a child or a youth growing up? And did you get brought into the business at all? Um, curious to know how that kind of shaped your early childhood. Uh, so so um, th- th- I think the right answer is no, my father never expected us to um, to uh, take over the restaurant. His goal was always to, you know, to have us work hard um, and, uh, and go to college and, and do something else. I mean, he, 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 he uh, I guess the best example is, um, you know, I, and I think in fourth grade, I said, dad, can I join the Boy Scouts? And he said, no, you know, I want you to come home and, and do your work and be focused on work and not do things like that. So he really was focused on uh, having his kids do better than he did, which is a typical uh, immigrant experience. Hmm. And when, when you talk about work um, growing up, that was much more about academics, right? So don't do the extracurricular, do, do your studies and academics. Exactly, yeah. Just yeah. just go to school, then do your work. Um, but we we did other things anyway, so we didn't pay we didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so what what were you interested as a child there growing up? What were some of your hobbies that you do on the side? Um, I mean, the the kind what well, well the things that he didn't care that didn't mind were things like bands. I mean, you played instrument thing like that. Uh, but the other the other kinds of things um, I eventually got interested in was student government. So uh, so uh, 
I got I got involved in a model UN in high school, and at, and and that's actually I, I found out something about myself. I found out that uh, and if you're a model UN, you represent a company, a country, excuse me, in in a big convention, and uh, and so we represented one country when I was a freshman. What I found out was a freshman was that even though I was rel- I, mean, I was an introvert and and didn't speak a lot per se, very typical. I found that. Um, when I got mad, I could be really articulate, and so um, and so when you take a position and and role play a country, you know you you can be out of yourself and not be your own self. And uh, we represented um, um, a communist country, Albania, and uh, so in role playing, I we you, you know you assume the role, and I got really mad at the other at the at the other uh, 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 countries, and uh, would argue. So that I learned about myself, and ultimately I became a student body president uh, at the high school. But but if it weren't for that sort of experience, I didn't realize that if I really believed in something, I really could uh, I, I could be I could be effective. And it wasn't you know it's one of these things where you know, I wasn't looking for it, but I realized I could do it. Hmm. And being student class president, that was based on popular vote. How were you actually selected into that role? It was a po- it was a popular vote. Yeah. it was a popular vote. So student body president. So it wasn't class president. It was actually uh, for the school. And I guess, uh, and, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask because I understand that um, where you're you're raised, you're one of the few Chinese families in the area. So how okay. did how did your identity kind of play into your belief or even desire to take on a more visible and leadership role, even in the early days when you're in high school? So uh, I'll say this: the the um, uh, the reason I was elected was you know in a small town you grew up with everybody so everybody knows you um and i would call myself the outsider um and so uh, i was not in any particular clique i wasn't in the geek clique i wasn't in the uh the jock clique i wasn't in the social clique but i was friends with everybody and so the the people i ran against were in a clique and so i was probably the the the, the most most popular because i was mm-hmm. Least, uh, least cliquish. <laughs> yeah, you're diplomatic. You could understand where all the different um, parties and cliques were coming from, I guess, and you could bring people uh, together. I, yeah, I'll say this was the way. I, they voted. I was everybody's second choice. Maybe that was the best way to say it. <laughs> um, so, and, and that was again. That's because I was I was none of the above. Mm-hmm. And that was always the that was kind of the role um, that I saw myself is uh, is I had to show my is I I didn't know where I fit in and and so by not fitting in any particular in any particular group uh, I sort of fit in everywhere. Mm. Very interesting, and I think another interesting um, story you heard from your earlier life was when you were in seventh grade, mm-hmm. your teacher set up a challenge to uh, read three hundred pages. Uh, of a book to get an A grade, two hundred <laughs> to read a, to get a B grade, and one hundred to get right. a C. Right. And um, you're just curious, and I think this is like an innate curiosity that you had early on. It seems to be a, a common theme throughout your career, where you're curious to know if you could read a thousand pages, and that eventually led to you reading fifty thousand pages in a semester. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. That's right. One five, which is which is still a lot. Um, so I guess you know my question around that is, early on, was this kind of um, 
motivation by challenge and just kind of like seeing how far you could go was that was that very much a key theme not just in your earlier life but also throughout your career it, it was and um uh and to 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 tell the story exactly right it's in sixth grade uh you got your grade you got whatever grade depending on how many pages you could read and 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 write a book report on um and you're right it was it was 300 for if you get 300 pages you get an a if you read 200 pages you get a b and if you read i think it was like 50 pages you get a c or something it was fairly <laughs> a low bar exactly um and it was the sixth grade um but yeah, after the after the first couple of days, I I got my A. I said, you know, now what do I do for the rest of the semester? And it really was I wanted to challenge myself. Could I get to a thousand? And I did that in a week. And then it was five thousand in the first month. And then and then I got to ultimately I said, well, how many can how much can I read? And I got to fifteen thousand. Um, and it really was a challenge myself. You know, what what can you know? It was really um, uh, something which I, and I look back. Uh, I, I look back in terms of what I did later. It was always a challenge. I, I went to computer um, science and electrical engineering because I didn't know anything about it. I said, you know, this is very interesting. You know, can I, can I, can I, can I, could I design a computer? And so I set off a course myself to take course to do that at Stanford and, and eventually did do that uh, at, at Hewlett Packard. Um, and then, um, uh, and then when I was at HP, um, uh, the general manager was talking about um, the business, and I and I said, you know, I have no idea what he's talking about, and I challenged myself, can I do that and be a general manager? All of that has really has really driven me to, to you know, what what can I be? Um, mm -hmm. And and as an ex and becoming executive, and I, I tell the story all the time, um, in a way that is that it was driven by indirectly, and I only thought about this afterwards. About my being an outsider, um, mm -hmm. as an as the only Asian, the only Chinese family in Harville, and um, that is, you know, I, I am. I get to determine what I am and who I am and what I can do, and that always challenged me mm -hmm. um, to to find out what that is and what can what I can do. And it's great. It sounds like you're able to take that concept of being an outsider and make it very empowering. Was that something that just naturally you had this bias to kind of take this kind of um, lens and reality about yourself and your story and, and do something positive with it? Or was this kind of a process that took place over time where it would ebb and flow between positive and maybe some sometimes self-limiting? How did you get to this positive bias towards um, you know your identity and story as an outsider. I, I, you know, I, 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 I attribute it, I think, to two things, and I'll, I'll tell you I'll, again a couple other stories. But uh, uh, maybe because I was all rebellious, always rebellious, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so to the extent that um, my parents would try to limit me to do something, uh, uh, I would always, to, I would always try to prove them wrong. Or 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 do something else, okay? <laughs> to say it is not a limitation. Yeah. Um, uh, in the, the the another another story is when I was at HP, I was working on a computer. Pro we were designing a computer, and there wasn't a doc. And I was the computer uh, the CPU designer, uh, architect, and and uh, we're in the middle of the of the um, of the project. And I realized there was not enough documentation of what we've done. I mean, we were we were communicating things. 
um, sort of ad hoc, you know, writing notes down to, to the programmers, like, here's how it works, right? And so one Friday, I, I uh, approached our, our, my manager. I said, we really need documentation because this is not effective. I, they keep asking questions, and I, we, we just write them notes about stuff. We really need documentation. And he said, we're, we're behind schedule. We, we, um, we, don't, you know, we don't have time to do this. And that just got me mad. I said, you know, we need to do it. So I went to work on Friday, and Monday morning, I gave him a 50-page document describing it was called the ERS the external replicate external rep external reference spec on how this thing worked and so this was used for documentation for the programmer so they need that didn't have to ask me questions but just saying you can't do this I would I would figure a way to get it done mm. uh, there was another example uh, another project at HP where where you know uh, my program manager said this can't be done you know, we're too busy. And I went on a Friday and Monday morning, he said, here it is. So that has always, that has always um, driven me. And, and to the extent that, um, that that same attitude has helped in being an, as an entrepreneur and doing startups, hmm. right? Same sort of challenge. How do you get this done? Um, yeah. I remember talking to AT&T, um, uh, when I, I was in early cable modem company, I assume you know what cable modems are. This is now broadband through Comcast. Uh, back in 1994, uh, and it was cable versus DSL, AT&T. And, and the AT&T guys were telling us, this can't be done. You can't build a cable modem for broadband in high enough speed. And the attitude was, yes, we can so, so that's the attitude that is that kind of helped me throughout my career, um, both in terms of technical, in terms of uh, looking at um, the problem of being Asian and Asian glass ceiling. You know, we can get this done, um, and so that's why I work at this is because people say, "Here's a problem," and 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 my attitude is, "Well, in that case, let's go fix it." Yeah, yeah, it's taking a very uh, different view, more optimistic, and in some ways a contrarian view to the way the world is, right? And it's been awesome to see that that's been a recurring theme throughout your life and career. Um, so I guess, you know, even your decision to study uh, computer science, computer engineering in undergrad, right. was that largely driven by your curiosity and self-interest mm -hmm. or did your parents help guide which type of uh, work you ended up doing and in, in studying? Uh, uh, no, not at all. I mean, uh, um, just a, I had no idea. You grew up in a small town, um, and 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 un unfortunately, I do fit the stereotype. I am good at math, <laughs> and um, and so when you when you uh, when you graduate from from high school back in 1967, um, uh, what did I what did I know about uh, anything? And the only thing I, I could figure I could do at that time, because my, my limited experience in a small, growing a small town was, what do you do with it? Well, you can be a math teacher. That's about it. Hmm. Uh, not knowing anything else. Um, so I went to college not knowing what I was going to do. And then uh, the summer of my uh, freshman year, uh, I took a, a programming class at uh, Chico State during the summer. And um, and um, uh, uh, learn programming. And I said, this is the most interesting, interesting thing uh, I've ever seen. 
And this was on a, a 1620, IBM 1620, which you probably don't know, but really old computer. Um, and I said, I have no idea what this is, uh, but I want to build one. Uh, and so that was, again, challenging myself that this is the most interesting I've ever seen. But that was curiosity in terms of what can I do with my life and what can I achieve, you know, what can I challenge myself with? Mm. Um, the, the, with regard to my parents, you know, my grandparents, um, you know, came from China into a small town. Or what do they know about anything? All they knew uh, was they, need, they wanted the kids to go to college. And, and he wanted me to be a doctor because that's all you know, right? Um, nothing else. Um, uh, uh, um, in fact, my father, I mean, again, being a, being a small town and being in those days, college was not as big a thing as it is now. He didn't, know, he didn't even know what Stanford was. Um, he didn't know what Harvard was when I got into Harvard. Um, but when he said it to, to his friends, they knew. So, um, <laughs> so, so it made him happy, but you know, so so he didn't provide any guidance per se. He didn't not provide any guidance, um, but um, um, but uh, I was lucky. Hmm. And I, I know you you did say a lot of um, at least your parents growing up they weren't necessarily strict. Um, so it seems like a lot of the. Um, your motivation and drive was inward driven as opposed to externally driven. Is that, is that a fair characteristic? That, that, that's yeah. fair. And, you know, um, again, my, my early story is my early story is, um, is that I was challenging myself to see what I could do. Mm. Um, later on in, in retrospect, I also realized a part of it was, um, that, um, I would, uh, if people would, would, characterize me I, I would want to do the other thing for example you know that i that my, my and I, I say this all the time you know my attitude was i had a chip on my shoulder mm. and my job is to prove that that i'm not who you think i am and so when you know i'm not supposed to be athletic i i play tennis or play baseball or something just to show that i can do it or volleyball uh when they don't think that an engineer can can be articulate, can speak, then I do something to show that I can. Um, and, you know, when they try to, you know, in, in terms with regard to the Asian glass ceiling, when they think, when they think that, I, that I'm, you know, that, uh, that I, I want to be a great engineer and be a technical guy, I want to be a general manager. So all of that is driven by, you know, what can I achieve and what, what, can, you sh what can I show other people that I can do and what I can be? Hmm. And I guess in terms of your professional career, before you started to, you know, dedicate a lot more of your your time and energy and uh, breaking the bamboo ceiling, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, what were some of the themes that you think characterize your your long career? And you know, I think I believe that culminated as uh, you being a VP and GM at Cisco, and previous to that, um, you're the president and CEO of NDMO Systems, which Cisco mm -hmm. bought. So you've obviously had a really successful professional career. Mm -hmm. um, are there two or three things that you think were really essential um, for, for that success? And I know you did mention luck earlier, but let's focus a little bit more on like the skills and what you controlled. There were, um, other than, there, there are some, some things, some things in my life that, um, where I learned some things about myself and my attitude about leadership and, and management. One was early. Um, I graduated from Harvard Business School, became a product manager. When you graduate, you think you know everything, and 
um, and you do anything. I mean, that's what they teach you. Uh, and I was a product manager working at NASA's semiconductor in this back in 1981. And uh, I had a, a, a person working for me. So I was a product manager and I had a product manager, product marketing engineer work for me. And, and uh, he, he wasn't that great. He was okay, but it wasn't that great. Um, but he would write things up and I would just redline things because I was just better than him. And, and, uh, and so I was just very critical about his work and I would just you know, rewrite it and give it back to him and say, here, here it is. Uh, and then one day, he came to me, and then one day he gave, gave me something, and I read it. And I said, this is pretty good. So I wrote, nice job, and I gave it to him. And and on our, our weekly one-on-one, -on -one, um, uh, he said, and I'm, I remember this, and he was almost in tears. He said, you know, Buck, when you gave, the, when you gave me that, and he said I was good, I said, I was, I was on cloud nine, you know. <laughs> I, I said I I was I was happy for a week, you know, and 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 again he was emotional. He was saying this, and I and I suddenly realized um, uh, that you know my job had changed. I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't there to show off anymore. Mm. I wasn't I wasn't there to be the individual committed to do the best job I could. My job at that point was to get the best out of my people, and I totally misunderstood that, you know. Um, and and Harvard never never. Harvard teaches leadership, but never teaches that that aspect of what it really means to be a leader, you know, and then have people work for you. Uh, at least, at least, maybe maybe they did it and went in one ear, not the other, but not until that moment that I realized that my job and the way I had to work had changed, um, and I couldn't be the smartest guy in the room anymore. That wasn't what I was trying to do, um, and that really has impacted uh, in my my life since then. The other the other thing that really taught me how to be a leader. Um, was uh, a few years later, I was a director of um, operations for 3Com, a company that no longer exists. And um, so I had the directors working for me um, and um, in different functions. And and, uh, and director of QA uh, came up to me. We had, again, one-on-one, -on -one, weekly one-on-ones with my people. And, and she said... Um, Buck, what's your added value here? <laughs> um, and and that made me just stop and think, because um, I and and me realize um, that's a that is exactly the right question. What is my role here to be a leader of this? You know, this was now a larger team. There were roughly and maybe 50, 75 people working with me in three different groups. And and I said, Joy, you know, that that's a great question. I I, you let, I, I have to let me I have to think about this and get back to you. And and what me what made me realize was um as a leader. I viewed my role as principally communications, you know, um, being sure that people below me knew what was important to people above me and being people, being sure that people above me knew what was important to people below me. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to be faithful in the exercise of, I won't say being a company man, but really being sure there was alignment between priorities. And, and and joy, my my report was exactly. If that's all I'm doing, why am I? What's then? I have no added value here. And I and and what I realized was, 
Um, no, my my job is to lead my organization, okay, and I, again, and say what can I do to make them better? Mm. What can I do to help the company? What can I do, right, to change and impact the outcomes, either top line or bottom line? At that point, that's my role, right? Because I'm in a role that that I'm in a position that people above me cannot understand. They don't need details. Uh, and then a role where where I have resources that people below me don't have, mm. and and then to challenge my people on goals to help them change organizations so they can do the same thing to their people. To lead not to not not just to manage my organization, but to lead my to lead my organization to a place that it didn't have, to contributions it could not make. And I'm in, I'm in the only one in a position to do that. Mm. And again, that that's always there are other stories, in, but that that really changed the way I looked at what I what I had to do. Mm. Yeah, it's really the distinction. The distinction it sounds like is you know between manager and leader. You know, and that's often talked about, and you know, kind of bring it back to some of your research specifically on. Um, you know, Asian Americans being the least likely group in the U.S. to be pro promoted to management. And we've right. done a lot of studies with Ascend, um, specifically looking at the data of Bay Area tech companies. Um, so what are kind of the fundamental problems that, that you're seeing with uh, Asian Americans specifically moving from an individual contributor or middle level management role to becoming an executive? The, 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 the problem, the, the um the um there, there are a lot of there it's a it, it's a it's a fairly simple answer um um and it, it's one of the papers right but but it is a it is a um fundamental problem of expectations expectations of the of the asian american uh worker to understand what is required to be promoted next level and i'll mm. tell you about that um of what uh, of leadership and and a, and a and a misexpectation of the non-Asian manager um, uh, of and 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 I'll uh, for for want of a better word I'll call it implicit implicit bias uh, stereotyping I think stereotyping is too harsh a word okay uh, implicit bias is is a is a is a is a more proper term. Um, so let's talk about that first. Um, the, 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 the problem that we face with our face is that people have certain assumptions about what we want and what we can do as Asians, in particular East Asians. Um, and that's the stereotyping, but, 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 the, but, the, but the problem they have or the situation they have is, and I say this, it, w when I ran an organization at, at Cisco with roughly um, in the U.S. maybe 600, 700 people, of which 75% were Asian, the majority, the majority of, of the of the Asians in working for me in that organization fit the stereotype. So, so my question is always, so, so, what should the normative expectation be of any Asian worker? Okay when there's so much evidence that suggests Asians are not assertive enough, 
um, not as not aspirational enough and happy with what they do. In fact, um, there, there's a there's there, there's just there's one company that which and I won't say the number of company where where the pushback was when we're talking about development for Asian Americans. You know, they said their annual surveys say the Asians at Asian Americans in their company are the happiest folks there. They're, they're, there's nothing they need to do to 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 help them. Other any all other groups wanted things to do. So the data says, in terms of priorities, you need to do work on blacks, Hispanics, and women. Mm. Asians are perfectly happy. So there's nothing. So when you look at the implicit bias, it the data feeds that bias. And that that is a, a a problem that exists. Okay, and there's not a lot we can do about it, when, as long as we we the community keep feeding that bias, as long as we keep giving the data that says we're happy the way we are. Hmm. And unfortunately, that is cultural. That is to say, it is traditionally cultural to um, to. Uh, do your work and not be too aspirational because that's perceived as being too forward. I think the other part of that is also very Asian. If you don't, if you don't say you want it, then you're more, 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 then you're not disappointed when you don't get it. And failure and loss of face is not perceived as a positive thing in the Asian culture. Mm. So, so, so that, that is their problem. Okay. And, and, but is but is a bias, which 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 is a reasonable bias to have, and I don't fault people for having that. Okay. Um, the other part is our misunderstanding of how promotion pro, promotion in particular the higher levels. And 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 I want to point out one thing that is say what what t you what you typically do is uh, again I I I don't stereotype, but more traditionally people look at the work they do and work and 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 they're as long as they think their manager knows about it that's important that's the most important thing um the thing you don't understand is that as you go up through senior manager or director level um um these promotion the promotion meetings are are such that um, it's not just your manager's vote that counts it's also your manager's peers because what happens is, higher and higher you go, your your manager's manner doesn't know don't know you, and they rely and I would rely on, you know, the people who work for me and mm -hmm. their and their opinions about people. And I don't if I don't know you, and if and if the only person if if if, if someone comes up for promotion, and and only one of my direct reports knows this person, and no one else knows them, whereas there may be other people who, who who have are known by the group then my generally i would want to say you know, if 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 only one versus three people vote for this promotion the three will win yeah so so and the thing you have, so you have the thing you understand is it's it's not just the opinion of your manager mm. it's the opinion of your manager's peers or anybody else who has an influence on that decision of being promoted yeah so Go ahead. This, this, no, I was just going to add to that, like this whole idea of like personal branding, right? Like it's not just the work you do, but like how aware your skip levels and people in your calibration meetings are uh, about your work. Um, what do you say to you know the the folks listening who might 
say, I, that doesn't feel right. I don't feel good about kind of like tooting my own horn and over promoting myself. Is the answer to them, you know, this is kind of the system in which you're operating in, so you need to adapt or just kind of get used to the, the results? Or is there a way for folks to, I guess, feel more comfortable talking about their achievements, doing more personal branding in an authentic way, especially one that's in alignment with, you know, folks who strongly identify to the East Asian culture and, and values? So, 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 um, so I always, um, I always have an argument with people who talk about branding and tooting their own horn. Um, it, it's it's um, the the, dy the dynamic, although that may be part of it for a lot of people, that's not dynamic for me. That's important. The dynamic is the following, um, and the things you can do that are that are that are not that should be part of what you you are. Um, how do people get to know you? Um, one by speaking in meetings, by making points mm -hmm. in meetings. Those are things that you should be thinking about. That's where that's where people find out of each other in these cross-functional meetings or these yeah. larger meetings. You know, if you don't say anything, then people don't know you. Now that that's something you should be doing. If you have an opinion, you should say something, and that's that should be perfectly normal. So the one thing isn't tooting your horn. The the one thing is making contributions. We need to make contributions. Mm. Okay. Um, that that's the first thing. Second second thing you can do. Again, there's not tooting your horn. I mean, this is this is this should be your job. If you can't, I'll, I'll say this: if you want a promotion, I'll tell you at every level you're expected to contribute in meetings. Okay, so if you're your manager, think of, think of it this way: if you're an individual contributor and and your manager um, can't speak up in meetings when they talk about priorities and budgeting and people, and your manager doesn't do that. Then, then, then you know your manager is not be successful. You'll have more work to do with your people. So understand that part of your job is your manager. Okay, your manager has to be in a meeting to will speak out for you to tell people what you're doing. And if your manager does is uncomfortable if in, uncomfortable in media and doesn't t tell people what you do, then no one's gonna know you. So think of the job yeah. that your manager has to do. So that is a skill set. So if they don't see you doing that skill set, number one, they won't pick you for that job. Number two, if you don't have that skill set, then no one's going to know you're not good job anyway. So that's why I say in this, this people to brand. Yes, is that people should know you, but the way they get to know you is by things you do. Mm. One thing you do is speak on meetings. Second thing, second 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 thing is also volunteering to do things. So example, yeah. So when you do things for people, they get to know you. So if all you're doing is focus on the work you do, and if it's a chance in a meeting where, where somebody says, can you do X, Y, Z, and you're quiet, somebody else, they get to be known, not you. So it has nothing to do with tooting your horn. It is, has to do with adding value and people seeing that you add value other than the specific work you're doing. Because remember my story, that will begin to get that role that you're going to be in a couple, couple stages later. Okay, not just doing your work, but figuring out what else needs to be done. Yeah. That's what that's what we need to find out. So mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you know, in terms of the tooting your whole branding stuff. Sure, yes. The, my view is, but if you're not doing other stuff, it's not gonna matter. Yeah. And the those those opportunities come up every day, every week, Absolutely. while you know the performance review is every six to twelve months. So it's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
and then I, the other the other thing I wanted to ask about is this idea of asking for permission, right? I know you've you've talked about this before, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's really the, this distinction between individual contributors or mi mid level managers to executives, where a lot of times we ask for permission, and I do think there's a definitely a stronger bias towards us in the in the East Asian culture. What do you recommend uh, Asians do to just kind of shift that mindset from asking to just doing? I um uh the the way the, the, um I I am not sure I'm not sure I have the right answer here but my 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 view is this um there are ways to, there's 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 it, to me it's a question of people not willing to take risks mm. okay right um and there's and there are ways that you can mitigate doing and mitigating the risk. What, you know, one is, you know, and I'll say it this way, you know, have a um, have a good relationship with your manager. Okay. Um, again, be sure that you that that you engage with the manager and your manager knows what you're doing. Okay. Um, and so you can have those discussions. But I want to say, can I do the? I want to do this. So, so rather than saying, rather than ask permission to do something, say I'm going to do it, as an attitude, okay? Because um, that's also you want. That's also behavior you want. You you want your manager to see that I'm willing to. I'm willing to do this. Okay, that's a behavior that's required as a manager, certainly as a director and a VP. I'm going to go do this. Right. But the way you do it is feel comfortable doing it by doing it early when you're an injured contributor or mm -hmm. smaller project and say, I'm going to do this. What do you think? I mean, it's like after a minute, but I'm going to, I'm yeah. but showing the initiative, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, uh, you always want, you always want to frame what you're doing as, you know, I, I, I have the initiative. Um, I want to do more than I want to do. I'm aspirational. I have the ability to lead. And I have opinions to lead, so that's what you want to show, right? How you do it, you can still per se ask permission in that way, but say, "I here's what I'd like to do," right? So I don't, I don't mind doing that. And then there's, there's, and there's other ways you can, you know, say things in meetings in a non-confrontational way, right? But you have to say something, right? You know, you can always say. Um, no, I'll say I'll say the, the you know the the um, a great story and it's totally slightly tangential to this, um, but uh, John uh, John Chambers one time interviewed um, 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 uh, um, uh, Bill Clinton who visited who I'm sure they paid a lot of money at Cisco one time, and and Chambers uh, told the story about Clinton and why Chambers who is a, a far right is very conservative. And 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 he said he was so impressed with Chambers because because he he got in an argument with uh, with um, with Clinton one time on some issue I forget what the issue was and he said so so Clinton then turned around and articulated my argument in a way that I even in a way I, that was even better than what I than what I told him and said. You know, but there's another way of looking at things. And 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 he respected him because he he recognized he listened to him, understood what he was trying to say, and had an alternative. 
So what could have been a confrontational discussion was actually a discussion on principles. Mm. And so, so if you disagree with somebody in a meeting or want to say something in a meeting that could be a conflict, be sure you say something to the fact that I understand what you're saying. Here's another way of doing it. You totally make sense, but okay. And so there are just ways that give you an in, in a way that, and I say, that gives you permission to say something in a meeting that may be a more difficult for you to say. And again, I'm not saying, you know, I, I, you know, it's, again, it's a whole concept of do I have do I have permission to say something? And the way you can get in by by acknowledging that in fact, you know, that they're right, and here's my and here's different same thing. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the concern we have is always how do you politically or bluntly get in to say something and say I disagree? You don't have to say that directly. Yeah. And again, maybe I'm going off topic here, but but I always thought that was a great lesson to learn. And that you know you can you can you can disagree, but as long as people understand you politely disagree or respectfully disagree, uh, and mean it, get into the fight because that's what you have to. That, when you're executive, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Sometimes not so politely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it goes to kind of this you know the importance of tact and communication, and ultimately you know communicating dissenting views but in a way that feels authentic and and true to oneself right which is which is a point that you're getting to and you know the other thing i wanted to touch on briefly was the advanced leadership program for asian american executives which um, you helped co-found in 2010 at stanford and obviously communication skills is one of the these key pillars what are the other you know top skills that you think asian americans especially need to develop to you know rise up the ranks and become executives um the the uh i i started that um when after i left cisco i helped start it after I left cisco hmm. um uh, to solve one problem. That is, when I left Cisco, the one thing that I felt was missing, and again, my story about Cisco was that um, uh, was that I, at, at one point in 2006, I was the only Chinese, only East Asian vice president in, in, a, in, a, in a population of 104 vice presidents in, in development. And, um, and, after, um, and after talking to a lot of directors and people in the company, the thing I felt was most important um, and was missing was um, uh, influencing skills. Um, when, because even though I was general manager of uh, of a of a, a large division inside Cisco, my success depended less on what I could do in my organization as much as or other organization would do for me: sales, uh, marketing, manufacturing, support, uh, finance. So my my my. Um, success depended on them more than more than what we did, and and so I thought the most important thing that people needed to learn was the understanding that at the executive level, what you do is influence people. You don't; it's not a top-down anymore. Even 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 with an organization, it's influencing and and, mm -hmm. and coaching rather than rather than telling. And certainly, when you're a small cog in a big Cisco machine, you don't get to tell people what to do. Uh, even even John Chambers didn't tell people what to do, um, because what what um, what what they would say is, John, I, I'm willing to do that, but but I'm cons budget constrained. We give him relief on X or give him more budget. So it's always negotiation, right? And you you <laughs> so uh, 
So that's the one thing um, that people need to understand. Um, and that's one skill. And so that really has to do with interpersonal communications, understanding politics and actually playing politics a bit. Uh, and it's kind of funny word, but um, but politics, but the way I look, the way I always look at it is um, it's simple, simple manners is that if people know you, number one, if people know you um, and trust you, um, then then you they trust your opinions about things and recommendations and will and more likely do things for you because they you believe they believe you're doing things the best interest of the company mm. if, if they don't know you then they may think you're just arguing for your benefit or or um without without th their benefit to mind so 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 the one thing is understanding that is is what the your success is more dependent on your people than what you know and what you, and how hard you work mm. Um, and th this idea and skill of influence and kind of building quote unquote power, did you see this as also being crucial to your success when you're you kind of working within the startup space? Startups startups start are a little bit different than than um, than big companies. Yeah. Um, it, when you're a startup, I, I mean, all my lesson about leadership is still true. Um, when you're a startup. Your job as a as a leader is be sure everybody is aligned on one. Generally, it's really focused. Mm. Okay, it's really focused on one product or one market and one customer, one sort of set of customers. Everybody knows what's important. Okay. In a larger company, in different markets, different products, um, and different organizations with different priorities, in the you don't know what's important. Okay, or what's important to me is not similar. For example, I would talk to manufacturing. My my priorities were top line, bottom line, right? Manufacturing's priority was lead time and inventory levels, right? Totally different. They're aligned at the top in terms yeah. of the company goals, but each each of those goals are separate. So so it's important for them to understand my desires for my product, whatever. Uh, is important for the company and that's where and, and we have to align on those goals so they will do things for me even desp despite the fact that may inventory may be you know it may counter their pr different priorities so it really it really is different and so when you're doing a startup and everybody knows what's important you just have to be sure they're motivated uh you be sure that they understand what the important things are and and they will do everything else because mm. okay? everybody's aligned those goals yeah yeah, when everybody has conflicting goals, sometimes conflicting goals, uh, uh, or, or 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 not, um, that's when your that's when your job becomes understanding and building building those relationships. It really is building relationships. And you know the the simple story I always I always tell is is a time that um, that um, the the head of customer support came to me uh, and said, Hey, I you know I have a guy who's leaving. Because because he's bored at Cisco, um, and there's nothing that he I have to offer him. You know, is there anything in your group? And I I didn't have anything, um, but but Joe and I talked for um, for an hour uh, one night, and I said I'll, I'll create something for him. So I did, and I hired him. And he, he said in Cisco because I had something he wanted to do. Okay, um, and uh, he turned up a great. It was it was a great decision in both ways. But about a year later, uh, a couple years later, actually. Um, um, my guys came to me and said, "Hey, we have a problem with customer support. You know, they're pushing back. Say that they don't want to do something that we would like to get done." So I said, "Okay, I'll call Joe." And I called Joe, and and tell him what I was wanting to do. And he said, 
that sounds reasonable and told he told the guys go do it now it was in the best interest of Cisco. i mean he, he is joe the, the the dynamic here is it's not that joe did me as a favor but joe listened to me and believed that i was trying to do the right thing in the company right and and his guys if he just said if I just not had the relationship, he would ask his guys, you know, what do you think about this? And they'd say, you know, it's probably a bad idea. And it would have said no. Mm. So if I had not done the, the legwork, if I had not done that favor job, if he didn't know me as being a reasonable person, doing something for the company, the benefit of the company, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done the same thing for me. And, I'll, and that's, 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 so you got to understand that dynamic is that you're going to deal with all these people in many ways. And they have to understand that you're willing to do things for them for the benefit of the company. If they don't know that, then there's a barrier that needs to be broken. Yeah, you need to build the trust. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just so the last couple of questions is, as you look back on your career so far, what's the thing that you're most proud of? <laughs> um, uh, I've, I've never had that question before. I, there's, I'll give you a two-part answer. Um, The well, first of all, I, uh, the preface. So, so I did six startups. So I have, so six, three good ones, three not so good ones. So I, I made some people a lot of money. I've lost other people lots of money. <laughs> so so it's not so it's not like everything I've done has been great. Okay, uh, and it's not that I haven't made enemies here and there. I haven't done bad, made mistakes like that. Um, um, I think uh, uh, probably the two things I'm most proud of is that. Um, is that um, uh, I don't I don't I don't I don't care about making venture capitals rich things like that. Um, I I'm 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 very ha I'm very happy that made a lot of people who work for me um, um, successful, mm -hmm. and I'm very happy that they continue to be successful. Um, be because um, I won't tell you the other story, but. Uh, the, the I think the other thing uh, I, I'm probably proud of is um, wherever I've worked, I've been the same person, and people have respected that. My attitude has always been, um, let's fix the problem, and without blaming people, and it's always been my and that that's what they've always seen is that uh, I that I'm um, focused on solving the problem or, or 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 working for the goal uh and however that not to get, needs to get done they they've uh, they, i think that i think people believe me that sort of uh, people told me this um in terms of i'm always looking for the win-win whether in negotiations or with people or the company i'm always trying to figure a way to get the best thing we could get done um and without any uh w without um um looking at myself at, as as my win and 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 people talk about being a team player versus leader you know um um actually the um um Mar mario mazzola who i work for um um one one time uh 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 uh, 
asked me asked me a story. He said, "Buck, you know, you're you're an engineer and you you know you have business back, backgrounds and and this is when I was working for him as director of marketing." And he said, um, uh, "Are are you a marketing guy or an engineering guy?" You know, and and I said, "You know, Mario, I, I've always looked myself as a GM in disguise." <laughs> it is. I, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to make the. I'm not trying to make decisions for the best, best for engineering or marketing because it's what you're trying to do, right? Your your guys. I'm always looking for the best thing for the organization, and that's where I, I try to, you know, without bias as to who I am or what I do. What's the best thing for organization? What's the what's the best thing for the people? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I, people people see me as that, mm. and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy they do. That's great. And then last question is for um, the listeners out there. For people who are earlier in the career or actually still in school, what one or two pieces of advice would you recommend to help them figure out what to do with their lives and how to um, potentially be a executive in technology like you were? Um, my my um, so there's somebody uh, in college or just starting out. I, I don't, don't. My view is this: um, don't think about being an executive per se. I mean. You know, um, figure out figure out something that you can be good at, um, and 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 um, again, challenge yourself. It's like, man, ch challenge yourself to show that you can do it, um, because that's the first thing you need to do is to so you can be successful doing something. Because you'll never be an executive unless you do that. Being an executive or other skills, the first thing you need to do is is um, it be do something that you can be confident in doing. Because without that confidence in knowing something, you're not going to get much farther. Because BSers would only get so far. Um, so that's the first thing to do um, mm. is 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 um, show that in any job, whatever that job is, whether low level, middle level, high level, you know the question. What's your the question that Joy asked me my 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 report? What's your added value? Okay, mm. are you just there doing what people tell you, or actually, what is your added value? And and in a way, that's always been the question I've always asked when I joined HP as an engineer, right? Um, they, um, that was a question. That's the question they asked, right? Um, as an engineer, right? I forget the exact words the HP way is, but what's your added value? What are you doing differently? What, what, what's your contribution? What's your technical contribution that, mm -hmm. that no one else can do, right? What's the contribution of this product that's not there already? And so that's, that's, that's a question that I ask. So what is your added value and the things you're doing now? And where, and because, because it fades everything else. What's your brand, right? What are you good at? You know, because that's that's really the question. What's your brand? What are yeah. you good at, and what can you add here that no one else can else can add? Mm -hmm. Right. Same question in a different way, but you can answer that for yourself. You know, um, and then and then and then challenge yourself along the way, in terms of the next value as a manager. What's your value as a director? What's your value? If you can keep challenging yourself that way, you'll figure a way to be an executive. Yeah. Always bigger problems to solve too, right? So. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Buck. I just wanted to wrap up and say thank you so much. And, you know, on behalf of the Asian community, both in North America and globally, I want to thank you for your leadership and all the contributions you've made to just bring together this community, which is uh, a really important um, mission and a very worthwhile goal. And then secondly, to help pave the way for the next generation of Asian leaders. So thank you so much for joining me and um, wishing you well. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Asian Tech Leaders. 
please share this with your friends and follow us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Looking forward to our next conversation. And until then, take care.